0: what a joy they keep us young they keep us focused in having childlike faith thank you for how you have blessed this congregation with life they help us to have vision too so help us to pray and to be a congregation of discernment that knows what you are saying when you add new lives to our to our family breathe on us and help us to be good stewards now, God, open your word to us today. We want to see you. We want to hear you speak to us. Give us clarity of thought, Lord, and then shift to any doubt or discouragement that we may be having. Help us to trust in you today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Acts chapter 9, verse 36. If you got it, say, I got it, Pastor. At Joppa, there was a certain disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. But it happened in those days that she became sick and died. And when they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. And since Lydda was near Joppa, and the disciples had heard that Peter was there. They sent two men to him, imploring him not to delay in coming to them. Then Peter arose and went with them. And when he had come, they brought him to the upper room. And all the widows stood by him, weeping, showing the tunics and the garments which Dorcas had made while she was with them. But Peter put them all out, and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. Then he gave her his hand and lifted her up. And when he had called the saints and widows, he presented her alive. And it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed on the Lord. And so it was that he stayed many days in Joppa with Simon, who was a tanner. And all God's people said, turn to that good-looking person next to you and tell him, good-looking? Oh, good-looking. This morning. My pastor wants to talk to you about the miracle of Joppa. Amen. You may be seated. Family, in our text today, we see a woman of God that became ill and died. This woman was a servant a servant who was so powerful that the church called for Peter and God used Peter to raise her back from the dead. Secondly, we see in this text that this woman was a woman of good works and everybody knew her because of her works. And we discern that a sister who will do good works will always leave a lasting impact on the world and her community. Dorcas lived in a city that was called Joppa. And Joppa was the gateway of ancient Palestine. See, Joppa was what we call a seaport city. It was a seaport city that was built upon a rock. And it was a harbor outside of the city that drew people who were in business. It was a place of exports and imports. It was a busy city. It's said by historians, Sister Gray, that Joppa expanded over two covenants, the old covenant and the new covenant. It was a place where Jonah was known to visit and to hang out. Joppa. Joppa was a place where the first century church had been blessed to plant a new ministry. And so when we arrive at our text today, we come on the backdrop of last week's lesson. Remember in last week we talked about the church had experienced a time of peace Since Saul, the persecutor of the Christians, had now been saved, no one else was running for their lives. And God had now sent Peter to the coastal cities to go and encourage the church that had been planted, or rather had ran to these areas because of persecution. On Last week we saw Peter go to the city called Lydda. And there was a brother there whose name was Ananias. Y'all remember him? Ananias was paralyzed for eight years. And being a leader in the church, when Peter raised him back up, the, the news of his, um, his miracle took off in the region. And in verse 35, many people in that region came to know the Lord. Well, in our text today, we see the same Peter, now with the call to leave litter to go down now to the place called Joppa. Joppa was in need of a miracle, just like litter was in need of a miracle. So I got four points I'm going to deal with today, and then I'll get on out of your way. Now, I'm going to need your help today, because eight o'clock took it all out of me, amen, They was pulling on me this morning, amen? So y'all gonna help me preach the miracle of Joppa? I got four points. Number one, I want to talk about the disciples of Joppa. The disciples of Joppa. Number two, I want to deal with the discouragement of Joppa. And number three, I want to look at the discovery of Joppa. And then I want to close with talking about the divine impartation. For Joppa. Okay, y'all going to help me? Keep your Bibles open. Let's look at verse 36. The disciples of Joppa. The text opens up and it says, At Joppa, where family? There was a certain disciple whose name was Tabitha, which is translated as Dorcas. Back then they used to have two names like John Mark, Tabitha Dorcas. That's what it's saying to us. And this woman was full of good works. Did you see that? And she was full of charitable deeds, which she had did. Now, when we arrive at this verse, daughter Brittany, the first thing we see, love, is that God is at work in another city. He's not just working in Lidda, but he's working in Joppa as well. Joppa has the imprint of God upon her. Why, pastor? Because a church has been born there. There are people in that region, in that city that belong to God. And where God's people are, he can be found in the midst of them. Can I turn the light on right there? In other words, wherever there's a church, God is in the midst of them. I want y'all to quit putting down my Fresno. No, God is at work in Fresno. Are you with me here? How do I know? Because I belong to his church right here in Fresno. Amen. Secondly, what I see in this text is that this city is a seaport city, as I mentioned earlier. It's a seaport city, and it's a city of merchandise. Back then, they did not have railroads and airplanes, nor did they have diesels to carry merchandise and conduct trade. Everything that was used to make money came in through ships. Are you listening here? And if you had a seaport city, that means you were a hot spot for business. Are you listening here? So Joppa is a hot spot for business. It's a business city. Now this is important because God mentions that at Joppa, he's got a disciple. Here I come. Watch yourself. At the hot spot where business is, he's got a worker. A worker who's engaged in his business. She's in the business of soul care in a business city. Are you with me here? It was a business city where God could use somebody who would look out for his business. The third thing we see about her is that the text says about Dorcas, Sister Wilson, that she was a disciple. Y'all in here with me? The word disciple means a follower of Christ. In other words, Sister Crawford, her life belonged to God and her actions said so. Okay, y'all want more? I'm going to give you more. The text says that her name was Tabitha and Dorcas. Her name means gazelle. Now, in those days, the culture would name their children after animals. Animals were seen to be beautiful and, and glorious creations of God, and they would take those, and in honor of their children, they would give them these names. The gazelle, in those days, would have been seen as a beautiful, elegant creature, and she would have been Beautiful inside and outside, graceful and kind, giving and glowing. In other words, this young lady was a fine young lady. She wasn't just any ordinary disciple. She was a beautiful disciple who was beautiful on the inside and on the outside. And she was a beautiful worker for God. How do I know? The text says she was full of good works. Did y'all see that right there? And she was full of charitable deeds. In other words, she was a beautiful sister whose ministry overflowed with kindness, charity, compassion, and benevolence. In other words, she was serious about serving the king. Dr. A.T. Robinson Reverend Brown, a friend of my library, suggests these things about Sister Dorcas. He said, number one, Brother Wilson, she didn't have a husband. Huh. He said, yeah, yeah, she didn't have a husband. Even though she was a beautiful sister, she was literally married to the Lord. So her focus was on the King of Kings. And the lord of lords. She, she secondly he says to, to me about this. I found it interesting. He said notice that she's the second and only woman mentioned in Acts. The first woman ever mentioned in the book of Acts name is Sapphira. And Sapphira was a fool. She was married to a fool. Ananias and Sapphira. Who tried to lie to God about his resources. And God killed them in the church. Stay with me. I'm going somewhere. So that Luke writing this passage, when he gets ready to introduce you to another woman in the church, gives you the direct opposite. She is not only a beautiful woman. She is a beautiful disciple who's working for God in the church. So he gives you the two polarized extremes of the sisters that are in the church. My question to you, sisters, are which one are you? Isn't this powerful? Another thing that jumped out to me in my rebuttal back to A.T. Robinson was that, well, not only does God mention her, but to me it symbolizes that he knows his children by name. He knows his daughters by name. Next thing in the text Robinson and I discuss is that Dorcas did ministry in the church all by herself. In other words, she didn't have what was called was a mission society. Stay with me. She didn't have a ministry outside of the church. Her ministry was inside of the local church. And her ministry was one of doing good deeds because she was full of Of good works. She was a member in the church who had a ministry in the church to encourage the church. We can learn from Dorcas, my brothers and sisters, how we too can make a difference in the church and in our community. In other words, as disciples of Christ, like Dorcas, we are called to be followers of the Savior. And whatever we see Him doing in Scripture, we ourselves are called to do. You know, so God has called each and every one of us to be a witness for Christ in a world full of poverty and pain. Can I give you your ministry assignment for the week? Somebody say, yeah, Pastor. Pastor. Your ministry assignment for the week is to be a disciple who is a witness for Christ in a world that's filled with poverty and filled with pain. Action, neighbor, did you get that? Did you get that? Your ministry is to be a witness for God. A witness full of good works and full of charitable deeds. That was point number one, the disciples of Joppa. Look at point number two, the discouragement of Joppa. Verse 37, if you got it, say, I got it. Pastor Danny, good to see you, brother. Glad you're here today. Verse 37, but it happened in those days that she became sick and she died. Now, when they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. And since Lydda was near Joppa, and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent two men to him, imploring him not to delay in coming to them. Do you got it there this morning? Listen to the argument here then. When we come to this portion of the text, Reverend Brown, the discouragement of ministry has come to the saints in Joppa. What do you mean, Pastor? Discouragement has come because the wages of sin have caught up to the life of a beautiful disciple. In other words, death has touched her and brought discouragement to the congregation. Sister Ria, even though she was beautiful on the inside and out and had a ministry full of good works, she was still a sinner. And the wages of sin is still death. Everybody's got to pay this debt. Am I making sense right here? Even after being born again, she still has to suffer the consequences of sin in a fallen world hey help me Holy Ghost just a little while I notice here that the text says she became sick she wasn't always sick but she became sick and then came death in other words justice had its way see when Adam and Eve sinned they ushered in calamity And calamity affects all of humanity. I noticed that prior to becoming sick, she was working for the Lord. But then death showed up and stopped her service. You do know that one day death going to show up at your door and going to stop your service. Hey, come on, talk to me, somebody. Listen, some of you got beautiful ministries, but one day your ministry going to end. Some of you don't have no ministry, and the problem with that is death go show up at your door too. And now you gotta give an account to God about what you should have been doing. Dorcas was working when death and sickness showed up. Now, now here I notice in the text that even the good workers for God have to suffer the effects of sin in a fallen world. Look, Dorcas was a good worker, but sickness, which is a byproduct of sin, touched her too. Uh, She was a faithful disciple, but a byproduct of sin invaded her space. She was a giver, she was a follower, but sickness showed up and touched her life too. And guess what? Have you ever noticed that in a fallen world, everybody gets sick? You know you gotta go out of this world some kind of way. Sickness gonna show up and touch you too. I said this morning, I know some of you trying to be gluten free. Amen. You trying to not fry everything. You trying to pump it up and keep it up in the gym. But I stopped by to tell you sickness gonna show up. I look at how big you get, how small you get. Sickness gonna show up. Why? Because death has answer the justice of God and because of the sin that's in the world sickness got to touch everybody in here just tell somebody you're gonna get sick one day you're gonna get sick in other words in a fallen world everybody gets afflicted with something in a fallen world even the healthy people get cancer In a fallen world, everybody must endure the side effects of a broken cosmos and a fallen, weakened human nature. Every good saint's got to go through it. Even the best believers get to catch some illness. Even the sold-out saints get sick and suffer from the pains and the side effects of sin. Can I get a witness right there? Third thing I noticed in this text, Brother Rocha, is that uh, it was customary in that church, watch this now, to wash the body before it was buried. And, And this is interesting because it reveals to me that culturally they had a high regard for the body. Stay with me in here, I'm getting ready to make some people very mad. In other words, they saw the body as the temple of the Lord. And the body was in service unto God. So they were willing even in death to present it back to him in the best shape possible. I notice here that they didn't mark it up. Come on you tattoo people. They didn't burn They didn't disregard it, but rather they prepared it. And then took time to mourn the life of the one who once occupied it. Now let me help those people who are on the gluten-free track. You're right. You need to take care of this body because it's not yours. You're giving it back to God. And on the day that you die, you want to give it back to him in the best shape possible. That's why you all not fry everything. Am I talking to you now? Y'all feel better now? Uh, y'all listening to me? You ought to take care of it. Why? Because you're honoring the one who gave it to you. In other words, when they were preparing the body, they did it in honor to the Lord and in honor of the previous steward. In other words, they were ministering to Dorcas when they took her body and put it in the upper room. Even though Tong, she was no longer in the body, they still saw it as the place where she once dwelt. And because of her ministry among them, now in death, they would minister to her. Because of her ministry among the saints, even in death, They still hold Sister Dorcas in high esteem. Yeah, because of her ministry among the saints, even in death, she's still loved and respected. The church missed her service. They missed her spirit. They missed her love. And they missed her companionship. And I said this morning at 8 o'clock, man, Sister Dorcas reminds me, for those of you who know her, of Sister Darlene Fuller. Man, Sister Fuller was my dorcas. She loved her pastor. She could be here on, in the middle of the day, working and crawling in the clothes closet, getting it ready, working in, in the food ministry. Everywhere I traveled to preach, Sister Fuller was there. She showed up with cancer racking her body. And pain from the top of her head to the sole of her feet, still giving her tithes, still blessing college students with resources, still showing up to Bible class, raising orphans, still giving and going. She was a Dorcas. And just like they miss Dorcas in that ministry, I miss Sister Fuller in this ministry. And I said earlier, some of y'all won't be missed when you die because you don't do nothing in the church. We can't miss you if you ain't giving nothing. Sometime it takes a while to even recognize or speak to you when you come. Because we ain't seen you in seven weeks. Are you listening here? But listen, if you really want to make an impact in your church and in your community, have a ministry full of good works. I ain't saying that to make you feel bad. I'm just saying don't get mad when don't nobody miss you. In other words, Dorcas, yeah, becomes a picture of what women's ministry ought to look like. This year in 2015, as we set the new objective for the new year, man, we need a women's mission that looks like this. We need a Dorcas ministry that's active and in the church. We need a, a women's ministry uh, that in spite of their own lives, they become living sacrifices for others. Dorcas was a woman who was missed when she was gone, and as a church, we can learn from her, and we should strive to have this type of witness in the church, so I'm arguing this morning about the disciples in Joppa, the discouragement of Joppa, now let me give you the discovery in Joppa, y'all making me work, I'm like a pig on trial up here, discovery of Joppa, but I feel my help, come on, help me, verse 36, if you got it, say, I'm in there, pastor. If you got to say, sweat a little harder, Reverend. All right. The discovery in Joppa. Verse 38. And since Lydda was near Joppa. You should underline that. That's very important. And the disciples had heard that Peter was there. They sent two men to him, imploring him not to delay in coming to them. You see that there? Then Peter arose after the summons, and he went with them. And when he had come, they brought him round to the upper room. And all of the widows in the upper room stood around him weeping. Watch this now. Showing the tunics. And the garments, you remember Darlene, that Dorcas had made while she was with them. Notice this. Here we see that God, first of all, has a work for Peter to do. Peter's got to leave Lydda where he's now had great success and where there's a revival now taken out. And now he's taken off. He's got to now go to Joppa. Why? Because God needs him to work there too. Not only does God have a work for Peter but God has a need for the disciples of Joppa to see his glory. Why? Because discouragement has set in. In other words, Deacon Crawford, the disciples of Joppa have first of all got to go through discouragement so they can land in discovery. In order to see the divine of God. Okay, let me say it again. The disciples of Joppa have got to go through discouragement. So that they can discover who God is. In other words, uh, we get amnesia about who God is and and as far as I know God allows discouragement to come my way so I can then rediscover who God is so my hopes will be in the divine and not the carnal you know God don't want you to hope in no man you ain't got no business hoping in Wilson I can't hope you do nothing God is the one you have to keep your eyes on. But when you take your eyes off of God, I guarantee you discouragement ain't far behind. Am I making sense here? When you come to this text, you see that little had experienced revival. I told you on last week because God was at work in her midst. And when the children of Joppa heard what God had did in that city, They then desired to have the same thing done in their city. See, they wanted the gospel proclaimed with signs and wonders. Can I just spend a little bit more time right here? This is the part that really arrested me, Reverend Brown, and I think you'll appreciate it. We see here that the church sends for Peter. They sent two disciples to go to the sister city and get him and bring him back. And they do this, I believe, because as Ananias was important to Lydda, Dorcas was that important to Jaffa, And they thought that if the ministry of restoration and rec- resurrection could work in Litter, then it sure enough could work in Joffa. They thought, Jasmine, that if God, the God of Peter, was with him in Lydda, then the God of Peter will be with him if he comes to Joppa. They thought if Peter could pray over the paralyzed and they recover, then he could pray over the sleeping and they could recover. They thought that the darkest ministry was needed in the church and they were willing to send for the preacher to see what the Lord would do through him. Something else is powerful in this text. When they go get Peter and they bring him to the upper room, the saints go get him and the widows meet him. They take him into the upper room where they've washed the body, prepared it, and there they're in there weeping, crying. And they revealed what Dorcas' ministry was among them. They begin to show all her garments and the tunics that she made. And this shares with me something. Dorcas had a ministry in Joppa to widows, people who had been bombarded by death. And as a result, Dorcas was kind to them. And in their sorrows, she ministered to them. That's a picture of women's ministry. Did you see that right there? The real ministry of the women in the church is to minister to the widows and to the orphans. In their suffering, she was available to them. In their loneliness, she was their friend. Sister Tanya, in their pain, she bore their grief. She didn't bring them no grief in their sickness and in their suffering. She was there to cover and carry the load. What a picture of women's ministry. These widows whom she ministered to, not only were they acquainted with death, but now death has showed up again and took the one that helped them the first time he showed up. So they grieved because Dorcas is gone. And in their pain, they cry out to the preacher. Now notice this, brother preachers. Notice this. The preacher has a job to do when death ravishes the community. Did y'all catch that? Here we see that the preacher carries a clarion call to help the grieving make sense out of supernatural separation. Now, according to the text, the disciples of Joppa not only needed Dorcas But they have a need for the preacher. They need him for insight. They need him for direction. They need him for discovery. They need him. For divine impartation. They need him to bring a word in a time of need. Listen, there's some things that only the preacher can do in your life. Can I call roll right here? There's some things that Jack Daniels can't fix. There's something that heroin can't fix. There's some things that we can't fix. There's some things that the homeboys and the homegirls can't fix. There's something that your teachers and your mentors can't fix. And that's the supernatural activity of God in the earthly realm. And God has elected and called preachers to minister to you in that time. Listen, you might not think you do, but you're going to need the preacher. You gonna need him, you might not like him, I guarantee. He might not dress like he wanted to dress, he might not walk like he wanted to walk, he might not say the things you wanted to say, but you gonna need him. And guess what? When you need him, any old preacher won't do. Can I turn the light on? I said at 8 o'clock, you can shake every tree in Fresno and a preacher will fall out. But any old preacher won't do. You need a preacher who's been with Jesus. You need a preacher who's an overseer. You need a man with power and a track record of being with God. Because when you're down and discouraged and life has beat you up, you want somebody who can make sense out of a senseless situation. Come on, talk to me. You don't need a Joel Osteen who's going to tell you have your best life now when your life is giving you hell from the head to the toe. Are you with me here? You don't need somebody who's going to bother your babies who's going to interfere in your marriage split you. Come on, talk to me. You want a preacher who going to tell you the truth and tell you what God's word say and then walk with you through the valley of the shadow of death. Thirdly, not only do they need the preacher, do they need Dorcas, but they remembered her works. Stay with me through here, guys. They remember how she blessed them when she was alive. In other words, the text says, and all the widows stood by him weeping, showing the tunics and garments which Dorcas had made. In other words, each one of them, Sister Blackburn, had in their possession daughter something that she blessed them with. And they had it as a token of her affection for them. That's another picture of women's ministry. Dorcas left that church with something to remember her by. And in their grief, Sister Garrett, they were able to show daughter what she did for them through her ministry. They were able to produce evidence that her miracle was making a difference. Listen, here's the question, ladies. Can we say that about you? When you leave here, is there evidence that you were serving God while you were here or are they secretly saying, I'm glad she gone. Because that sister was nothing but trouble. Everywhere she went, dead bodies lay in her way. She was a slanderer. She was a gossiper. She was never satisfied with nothing. She was hard to work with. She was an unbeliever. She was a thorn in her pastor's side. Or will they be able to boast of your works in their lives in the time of need? Listen, they showed her works and expressed their gratitude. And all of these things, all of these things are those things that reflect the effect of women's ministry done well. See, family, here's the application. When we live our lives Caring for hurting people. They never forget the impact. Or will never forget the impact that they made on us. We should live to serve others. Just as Dorcas did. We should live our lives in such a way. That in the end people will remember your living and your giving. Did y'all catch that right there? In other words, this is biblical discipleship done well okay I'm going to say it again y'all missed that that's just Jordan he crying y'all know Jordan that's what he do it's all right. this is biblical discipleship you live in your life in such a way that in the end people will remember your living and your giving you don't want to leave here with people saying I'm glad she gone well a sister don't leave the world nothing to remember her by That's bad discipleship. You want your discipleship, you want people to mourn and to cry when you're gone. And to have something that you've left with them. Well, let me close and get out of your way. We've talked about the disciples at Joppa. The discouragement at Joppa. The discovery of Joppa. Now let me leave you with divine impartation at Joppa. The text closes by saying, but Peter, put them all out. And he knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. She opened her eyes, Brother Jamel. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. He then gave her his hand and lifted her up. See the ministry of encouragement there? And then he called the saints and the widows and he presented her alive. And I'm through. Notice the text opens in verse 40 with a conjunction. But. In other words, let me take you to the scene. They're in the upper room. It's a small quarters. And the widows of the city are weeping uncontrollably. And while they are there trying to show off to Peter, look at this blanket she made me. Look at this tunic she made and it's got my favorite colors. She even embroidered my name on it, Sister Regina. They were crying and wailing, but Peter couldn't work in that environment. So the text opens with a but, While they were weeping as those who have no hope. God wanted to do something in Joppa. And this is interesting right here. When I was looking at the text, I first discerned, man, Peter, that's kind of cold. You put them all out. They're just crying, telling you how Dorcas felt or how they felt about Dorcas. But then the Spirit of God reminded me that Peter is getting ready to do what he saw his pastor do. You see, a few years ago, Jesus was in Galilee. And a man named Jairus had a little girl who had died. And Peter took James and John with him to Jairus' house so that he could heal Jairus' daughter. But when he got to the house, there was a room full of widows and mourners who was crying and weeping and wailing so loud that Jesus had to pull them out. Are you listening here? And in putting them out, Jesus then prayed and called out to the daughter and said, Little girl, Talitha, Talitha Kumai, arise. Peter simply remembering what his pastor did when he came to a situation like that just reenacts in his mind what his pastor did he puts them all out then the bible says he bowed down and he prayed and then in his prayer he looks at the body and calls her by name did you see that right there and the text says he said Tabitha like that y'all He calls her by name and then he gives her instructions from one world to another world. Arise. It's a verb. It's written in the perfect tense. Right now, this minute. We ain't got till tomorrow. We can't wait till next week. Arise. She gets up Or she looks at Peter first, the Bible says. And in my world, she said, hey, Reverend, how are you? Then the Bible says that Peter lifted out his hand. You see the ministry of encouragement picked her up. And this is what really gets me. I'm off my notes now. He picked her up and then he called, the Bible says. I never saw this before, Crawford. He called to the saints and to the widows. What happened? That he separated the two. The saints were those. Who are of the faith community. The widows were of those. Who evidently didn't have the same faith. So Peter is going to present. Tabitha. To the split or divided community. Because the widows either used to believe. Or never did believe. Or never saw the power of God. He must now present the one who was dead as alive. Why? That they might come to faith. See, every miracle done in the book of Acts is a miracle done so that people may believe. Every miracle done in our day and our time is not a miracle just unto me to bless me. It's a miracle that somebody who don't know him may come to faith in him. Am I talking to somebody today? He calls to the saints and... To the widows. And then the text says this. And I'm through preaching. He presented her alive. Look at verse 32. And it became known. Throughout all. Circle that word. Joppa. Remember he said that in verse 35. About litter. It became known to all. In Joppa. And look at that. And many. You see that right there? Believed on the Lord. And so it was that he stayed many days in Joppa with Simon a Tanner. As I close this lesson today, thank you for listening. Thank you for giving me your attention. God had a plan for Joppa. And he was going to use signs and wonders to re energize, if you would, revive, and to call those who were lost to faith in him. And God wanted to use Peter in such a manner that his ministry of salvation will be known in the region. Isn't that powerful? I like that too because God here in this book is not doing anything he hasn't already done before. Ah, Help me, Holy Ghost. See, the greatest miracle that ever happened happened way before Joppa. It happened in the miraculous coming of the Son of God from heaven. Born of a virgin baby girl, right? Jesus becoming man. The miracle. Of God with us. That same miracle. Would then go to a hill. Called Calvary. And through the miraculous power of God. Would save a lost and dying world. By becoming a sacrifice. For their sins. Let me help somebody who've never heard this story. Mankind was born wrong. When Adam and Eve sinned, the very first man and woman, they were born, they they ushered in sin into the world. And every human being ever born after them was born in rebellion against God. It would take a miracle now for a holy God to be able to accept a fallen and wicked man. So God decides to create the greatest miracle ever known which is the miracle of impartation. The miracle of sacrificial offerings. Jesus becomes the offering of God to satisfy God. So on the cross you see a miracle taking place. God himself Embodied in Christ. Taking on all of your sins and your problems. Your issues. And saying I'll be guilty on their behalf. And dying for you. That's not how the story ends though. The second miracle about Calvary. Is that when he dies. He descends into the grave. And goes into hell. Are you with me here? Here's the miracle. Because he's Christ, he's the only one that could go into the place where you and I have reservations. Counsel your name in the reservation log. Take the keys to your cell. Tuck them in his girdle. And then the father raise him back to life. Counseling the place that had your name on it. That's a miracle. Then, after rising from the dead, goes back to the right hand of the Father and gives you the same spirit that he walked with on earth. The same spirit that helped him to avoid temptations. Help him to overcome. Help him to be powerful and victorious in life. Gives that spirit to you. That's a miracle. Are you listening here? And that miracle is what God has now sent you and I to proclaim through all of the world. So no matter who you are, where you come from, what you've done, What you're going to do, God has erased the slate, calling you now sons and daughters. And the miracle was done so that you and I might proclaim it everywhere we go. So when we come to Joppa and we see him raise Dorcas back to life, the miracle yes it's not just for Dorcas it's for that next sentence next after that and many believed on the name of the Lord so guess what happens when you get saved somebody else should want to be saved somebody else should look at your life and say man if God could change her then I know he can change me if God could save him I know he can save me. Come on, is there anybody here? God saved because you know somebody who didn't deserve to be saved? God saved? Is there anybody here whose life is a witness that God can save anybody? Is there anybody here that say, Pastor, put me on that list that if God can save anybody, hey, I'm a witness right here then I know he can save somebody else. Is there anybody here (laughs) that knows you shouldn't have been saved? Is there anybody here that knows amen, hell had my name on it and only God could come and save me from my sin? Y'all too cool in here for me. Is there anybody here is ashamed of the way you used to live but Jesus came and saved you? Change? Turned you all around? I'm glad right there. It took a miracle to save me. A miracle to, to take my case. A miracle to clean me up. A miracle to change my attitude and my issues. And guess what? He ain't through with me yet. Every day. I see the miracle-working power of God in my life. Every day, I can look in the mirror and shake my hand and say, if it wasn't for the Lord on my side, I don't know where I would be. Maybe I ain't like some of y'all. Hey, I ain't arrived yet. Come on, I ain't arrived. No, I, I ain't even close to being where I think he want to take me. But I'm so glad today that God had mercy on me. Because he didn't have to do it, amen? Didn't have to do it. I'm so glad that mercy is God giving me what I don't deserve. Grace. Grace is just the opposite. God giving me stuff on behalf of him because of him. Isn't that something? The miracle of Joppa. Let's give God some praise.